Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast with Brevin and Maddie, where we get into everything fitness, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. Welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast with Brevin and Maddie. How you doing today, Maddie? I'm good. Loving the uh, somewhat warmer weather when we had it last weekend, but now it's gone again. Yeah, welcome to Michigan. It fucking sucks here. (laughs) Don't come. So what are we going over today? So today's episode is all about improving your relationship with food, kind of building more awareness on where you currently stand with your relationship with food. This is a fantastic topic. I think this is something that is not talked about enough. And for whatever reason, it's like super taboo in our society to talk about eating disorders or disordered eating. Like people are just really, really weird about it. And it's got this this horrible stigma that kind of follows it and I think that's something that we need to end, which is why we're doing this episode on improving your relationship with food, because I think it's bullshit. Um, eating disorders are something that um, I think a lot of people struggle with um, or have struggled with at some point in their life. Um, I know you and I both have, and there was actually a study that I read um, yesterday from UNC that said 65% of women ages 25 to 45 have struggled with an eating disorder or disordered eating at some point in their life. That's fucking insane to me. And honestly, that's probably underreported if you ask me. Um, Based off the people that I talk to, based off what I've seen working with clients and stuff like that, I'd say it's definitely higher. I'd say almost everyone at some point in their life has struggled with some form of disordered eating, whether they know it or not, whether they admit it or not. Um, Like I said, there's a stigma that follows it. So a lot of people don't even want to say, yeah, I have struggled with disordered eating or have an eating disorder. Um, And I hope that eventually comes to an end and that stigma kind of goes away and we can end that because I think that would be huge for a lot of people and really help the people that do struggle. Yeah, Um, I can't even imagine how much that statistic would change if it was even under 25 because I know there's so many young girls that struggle with eating disorders, including myself when I was that age. But like, I can't even imagine how much that would go up from like 65% if they like banked that 25 to 45 age range just a little bit lower. Honestly, I think even the other way too, if you went up, um, but I think those are the people, the older generation are the people that don't like to admit it. They're the ones that um, have really, really created a bad relationship with food for themselves. And a lot of it was passed down from really bad information um, and just passed down through generations. But those are the people that I think have a really bad stigma with it. They're like, ah, you need to sort of, no, we can't talk about that mental health. Ah, no, we can't talk about that. We're going to pretend we're all okay and super happy, but we're all super depressed and we hate ourselves. Go team. (laughs) Um, but speaking of kind of being a young woman and dealing with these things, that's kind of where you came from. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, as weird as it sounds like my bad relationship with food and my anorexic habits like really stemmed from my nutrition class when I was in high school. And I think it was kind of, I mean, it was definitely my warped mindset at the time too. Like I probably was taking things in the wrong way, but I think it was also like the way that we learned things in our class, like learning about like portion sizes and not overeating and all of this stuff. Like really, really it kind of impacted me thinking that food was bad and really it made it hard for me to make the right kind of food choices. And then I just stopped making as many food choices and I wouldn't be eating as much. And like, instead of a whole PB and J sandwich, as weird as that sounds, I'd eat half of one and then like some pretzels for lunch. And I was like really athletic at the time and I needed to eat so much more. So that really negatively impacted me. So I'm glad that I'm not stuck there anymore. Yeah. So kind of speaking of that, how did you get out of that? How did that impact your life um, when you were in it? And 
does it still kind of impact your life now? So honestly, um, it kind of took me being in more of a group or team setting when I went off to college because I was on the rowing team at Grand Valley. And one of the like team bonding things was always going to the buffet on campus and we would eat like a lot of food, mainly because we needed it to fuel our bodies for rowing because I can't even imagine how many calories I was eating at that time. So I think it was also just being around the right people and the right scenarios with food that really helped me. And then also hiring my first coach outside of college. So after rowing, I hired my first personal trainer and he kind of helped me a bit with nutrition too. That's awesome. I think having that community around you and seeing firsthand that food isn't bad is so, so big. And so many people around us just don't have that mindset and that that's really sucks. So if you're listening to this and you are feeling some of these things, find a community, find people around you, talk to someone, talk to a coach, hit us up, talk to someone that has gone through some of the stuff you're going through, talk to a friend, go to therapy. Those are, that's really cool too. And work through some of that stuff because it really does impact your life. Um, and I was kind of on the opposite end of all of that with my fitness journey. I was a binge eater. I was restricting, restricting, restricting. Food was really good or really bad. I was on the there is no gray area. I'm either 100% on and I'm eating spinach salads and that's it. Disgusting. Or I'm eating 12,000 calories worth of Taco Bell shamefully in my dorm and then I'm sitting there playing Madden and hating myself because I just did that. And then I'll restrict the next day. And then you know what? I'm going to go punish myself and do a bunch of cardio because I, I ate and I probably won't eat tomorrow. So I was kind of on the opposite end of you. Um... And unfortunately, I didn't have um, that community to start with. Um, it wasn't until I really found some people, though. It, it took a while, but found some people around me. And then I started to major in exercise science and realized, oh, shit, something's fucked up here. That I I really did have a, a bad eating habit and a bad relationship with food. Um, and a lot of that led to a bad relationship with myself as well. Um, but most of mine um, was able to be healed from actually tracking macros and being around um, someone that was tracking macros. Thank you, Justice, if you're listening to this. Um, but that really allowed me to see that food's not bad. There's not things that are bad. It's the overconsumption that's bad. Eating a piece of pizza isn't bad. Having a beer isn't bad. Those things make life more enjoyable. And if you disagree with that, I'm sorry. This podcast is not for you. This entire Unfuck Your Health podcast is not for you. Guess food is not for you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, go <laughs> Enjoy live, it. <laughs> yeah, go live a boring life. Um, I'm going to eat pizza and drink beer because I enjoy it, and I think it makes life a little bit more fun. But I think that it, it's crazy because we're born, and we don't have this bad relationship with food. Things aren't good or bad, um, but it's developed through our social interactions, through our environment, like our family. Like I was saying earlier, the older generations have a terrible relationship with food. I can almost guarantee every single person that's listening to this, including both you and I, have had someone tell us, you can't eat past 8 p.m., you can't eat carbs, you can't eat that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Whatever it is, you have to finish your entire plate. Um, all these things that they might not mean to do it they might not have that bad intention but it leads to these disordered relationships with food these disordered eating habits and a lot of that just comes from our environment our friends our family and now we add in social media and the abundance of bullshit that is in the fitness industry um 
we could do an entire podcast on everything that's bullshit in the fitness industry and we could probably talk for three hours. Um, but I'm sure all of you know that and that's why you're here because this is the place where you can come to sift through all the bullshit and learn about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and your one-stop shop to not deal with bullshit anymore. Um, but it's crazy because social media really is, is a great thing. I love social media. Obviously, you're listening to this to, on a social media platform. We do all of our work on social media platforms, and we can help people through social media. But on the other end of that, social media is really, really bad for a lot of people's mental health. Um, you play the comparison game a lot. You do all these things. You see people doing stuff or saying shit, your favorite influencers um, saying all this stuff, and it gets really fucking confusing when you're like, wait. That I thought that wasn't bad for you. And then again, you start labeling things as good or bad. There's a black or white, good or bad, um, all or nothing mentality with it, where in reality, a lot of it's in the gray area. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just so much out there. Like there's a mass production of information, whether it's good and bad all over social media. And it's hard to just know what to follow. Come here if you're confused. Um, But so much, which are, so much of our culture, too, is all around food or drink of some sort. If you think about any holiday, birthday, event, date with a significant other, social interactions are all around food or drink. People ask you um, at holidays, what's your favorite food? It's all about a dinner with your family or friends or whatever. Um, going on a date, it's, hey, where are we going to go out to dinner? Going with friends, hey, let's go grab a drink. It's all around food and drink. So you add up how much we're pressured by food which is every single day, um, you add that up with all of the bullshit that's out there, diet culture, and everyone's confused as hell. Like, well, okay, what do I do? Do I just not eat then because everything's bad for me? Or do I eat because I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to? Like, what what am I supposed to do here? And it's super fucking confusing for people. Um, And it's really weird to kind of think about um, having a relationship with food because it's literally an inanimate object. Like, it, it does nothing. You just eat it. But, we're pressured by it so much. We're faced with so many food decisions every single, like literally all day, every day, we're pressured by food decisions. And a lot of people, when we kind of talk about the taboo side of all of this and the stigma behind it, um, people say like, oh, it shouldn't be that hard. It's just food. Just don't eat it or eat it, whatever. Um, like oh, I can have a piece of pizza. Um, I actually had a guy comment on, I believe it was a TikTok I posted yesterday, like, well, I don't have a bad relationship with food. Like, fucking fantastic, man. Good job. A lot of people do. So I don't know what you're trying to get out of this. Um, but you start to look at this stuff and it's it's funny to me because we are pressured by it all day long and our ancestors never had to deal with any of this shit. They never had to deal with an abundance of food. They were just like, oh shit, I'm happy. I can eat some buffalo. We killed a buffalo. I can eat. I'm not going to starve to death. That's fantastic. And now we're, we're faced with all these processed, hyperpalatable foods um, shoved in our face every single day, commercial, social media, everything. Um, again, our entire social structure is based around food and drink. So we're pressured by this stuff way more than we ever used to be. And then on the other hand, like I said earlier, I think that a lot of people are, again, taboo kind of about this topic. So it's pretty prevalent now and people talk about it now, which is a good, a good side of social media. Some people can be very open about their past um, around eating disorders or disordered eating stuff. But if you looked 50 years ago, it might not seem as prevalent, but I promise you, I promise you that a lot of people, your moms, your grandmas, your dads, your brothers, whatever, have all struggled with this as well. It's not something that just kind of happened. 
It didn't just develop in the past 10 years when social media really took off or however long ago that was. Um, it's something that's always been there, but it just hasn't been talked about a lot. So we're going to talk about it today. Um, and it, it really, the fitness industry pisses me off. And it's weird to say because we work in the fitness industry. It's literally our jobs. Um, I love my job, by the way. So don't get me wrong there. My job is awesome. Um, but there's no regulation for any of this bullshit. There's so much shit out there. You hear the most asinine claims. They're always contradictory, contradicting each other. Wow, words are hard. Um, doctors giving shitty nutrition advice. Um, who's that one? Uh, he's carnivore MD. Fucking idiot. I cannot stand that guy. Um, but some of the worst fitness advice or nutrition advice I've ever heard from clients and stuff like that. It's like, oh, my doctor told me this. I'm like, what the fuck? One of my clients actually um, texted me the other day working in a uh, – a clinic for chiropractor and or chiropractor clinic and she was like the the doctor just told someone that they need to eat 1200 calories and this is like a, a grown-ass man eat 1200 oh, no. calories and cut carbs <laughs> and they're they're in there doing red light therapy for fat loss or a vibration table for fat loss and it's like what the fuck man like people people are doing this stuff because they're so lost and confused so what the what the fuck's going on? What do we do? We have people like Brittany Dawn who are literally getting sued by people for her creating an eating disorder with them. She was a coach. For those of you who don't know, look her up. She was a coach who um, worked with a ton of people and created a ton of eating disorders the way she coached and um, what she said to people, the generic meal plan she gave, like 1,200 calorie meal plans. And now she tries to sell people on religion. She's a really shitty person. Um, go look her up, make fun of her. Um, that is okay within her case, make fun of her. Um, so how do we even know that we have a bad relationship with food? Um, so some signs you can kind of look for, because again, a lot of people, it's a very taboo subject. You might not want to admit it. You might not realize that you have a bad relationship with food. It might not be something that's even on your radar right now, but if one of these resonates with you, then definitely stick around for these five tips that we're going to give you after. Um, so you're super rigid. There's no gray area. It's black or white, good or bad um, around food, nutrition, decisions around nutrition. Um, you're labeling foods as good or bad. Um, you view your intake for the day as good or bad, black and white. So it's not like, oh, I had a piece of pizza. Cool, my whole fucking day's ruined. It's like, oh, cool, I had a piece of pizza. The end. If you have a piece of pizza and your entire day's ruined, well, that's, that's not a good relationship with food. That is a disordered eating habit. Um, you feel very guilty or ashamed for eating something that you weren't supposed to. You feel like you have to earn food. So I hear this a lot around the holidays. It's like, oh, time to, time to earn that holiday food, time to, time to earn that Thanksgiving turkey. And they go in there in the gym for three hours the day before the same day. And like, ah, oh, now I can eat. I'm like, what the fuck? No, that, no, that's not how it's supposed yeah, to be. They'll always be like, I got to work for this. Yeah. Yeah. Or you feel like on the other end, you have to punish yourself if you overindulge. So like, oh, I had some ice cream. Cool. Three hours of cardio later. I feel better now. I, it was okay. I had ice cream, so I had to do some cardio or something. Um, you're constantly looking for the next quick fix, constantly trying new diets, never being able to keep the weight off or stick to your plan. And this is one that I see a lot that a lot of people don't realize that this stuff is the beginning stages. Um, and maybe not even the beginning stages. Um, but it is a, a disordered eating pattern or disordered habits with food. If you're constantly falling off your plan, you're probably doing things that are unsustainable long-term that are quote-unquote unhealthy, that aren't serving you in any single way, and then you fall off, you fail at your diet, 
and you feel like it's your fault, you feel like a failure, that just is a really, really vicious cycle to find yourself in. And you're constantly trying new things. Um, you're constantly doing these MLM marketing schemes. Um, you're constantly trying new supplements. You're constantly looking for the next keto diet or whatever. Um, you're constantly putting timelines onto stuff. Like, oh, I have three months to lose 50 pounds. Like, okay, Karen, that's not going to fucking happen. At least not going to happen in a way that you can actually keep it off. Um, and you feel out of control around certain foods. Like, ah, if I have this in the house, not going to do it. If I am around this, there's no way I'm going to not be able to eat that whole piece of pizza. Um, again, something that is very, very popularized, something that's very normalized in our culture that shouldn't be. So how do we actually go about improving our relationship with food? All right. So the first one is avoiding thinking in terms of good and bad foods. I think this is one that I think the number one thing, um, that I have to deal with, with clients. And I talk to people about is they're like, when I have everyone that I start working with fill out um, what I call an onboarding pack or onboarding questionnaire, and a lot of it's like, oh, well, I only eat good foods. I, I don't eat bad foods. Or uh, my biggest struggle with food is around nutrition is I eat chocolate or I eat this or that. Like, okay, that's fine. Like, you can't label things as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. You can't label things like that. Um, there's not just a black or white all or nothing mentality around any of this stuff. And if you have that, that is a sign that you need some help. You need some work with this stuff. Um, Because in all honesty, a lot of this is in a gray area. Um, You can have a piece of pizza and still hit your goals. You never have to restrict or eliminate any food from your diet to actually achieve your goals. And if you feel like you have to, then we need to change what you're doing, how you're doing it. We need to change the methods you're actually getting these results with because it's not sustainable long-term and it's not creating healthy habits long-term either. So... Uh, no food you're eating is inherently bad for you either. You can eat a p- ice cream. You can eat a piece of pizza. You can eat cookies. That's always my go-to because cookies are awesome. Um, if you have good chocolate chip cookie recommendations, please send them my way. Thank you in advance. But it, nothing is inherently bad for you. Eating these things is not automatically going to make you fat. Eating these things is not inherently going to make you have diabetes or, or be unhealthy. Now, overconsumption is going to do that. Overconsumption can still happen from the quote-unquote healthy foods. Um, so we all know what those are, the quote-unquote healthy foods, broccoli, chicken, rice. Like You can overeat on that stuff. Yes, it's harder to do because you're going to get full. They're not as hyper-palatable. It's not as easy to overconsume that stuff. And that's that's one of the issues is we have a lot of hyper-palatable foods that are very easy to overconsume. And that's why people label them bad. Um, but when you're constantly labeling things as like, ah, oh, that is bad. Pizza's bad. I can't have it. You're not only glorifying it and putting it on a pedestal, you're making it something that's off limits. So when something's off limits like that, you want it even more. You want the things that you can't have. I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, it goes for relationships, goes for food. You want the things that you can't have. Um, so you lose the ability to even be present if you do decide to eat it. You lose the ability to be present while you're eating it because if you are present while you're eating it, you're you're going to feel guilty about it and you're going to feel like shit about it. No one wants to feel like that. So then you end up overconsuming, eating the whole pizza. Instead, being able to be present, enjoy the food that you're actually eating and have one piece of pizza, you, you end up way overconsuming, feeling really guilty. You're in this vicious cycle. Um, when it's off limits like that, you put this like, ah, I can't have it. I can't have it. I can't have it. We're human. We don't have good willpower. No matter how much you say you do, you don't have good willpower. And if you constantly restrict, 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 you're going to end up binging on the food because a lot of the stuff we label as bad 
is the stuff that we really crave. And that's why we're labeling is bad. Cause like, ah, that's the reason that I'm 30 pounds overweight. No, Karen, it's not. I promise you eating one cookie is not the reason that you're overweight, but constantly telling yourself that you're not going to, and then eating 10 cookies at one sitting that, that might have something to do with it. So we, we really have to not label things as good or bad. And I think that it sounds so fucking easy and it is, but once you have that bad relationship with food, it's so hard to kind of change that thinking. Um, but you really have to, um, put in the work to do that. You really have to put in the work and see by constantly doing this stuff, by tracking. I think that's where tracking becomes super, super important because you can eat a piece of pizza. You can track it, log it, move on, work the rest of your day around it and see that, oh, well, I ate a piece of pizza yesterday and I didn't gain 10 pounds. Like, okay, cool. That's that's awesome. I can have a beer. I can drink pizza. Drink pizza. I can, <laughs> uh, I can eat food, drink uh, beer. I can do all these things and have success. And once you can do that, once you have that freedom, that food freedom that I think tracking creates, and again, tracking in the right way, because there's some people that'll say that tracking um, will cause disordered eating. And I very, very much disagree with that. I think that tracking macros, tracking calories, if you do it the right way, um, and you take the time to actually learn can really create food freedom for people. You never will have to restrict or eliminate your favorite foods to have the success you want if you know how to track calories and macros the right way. And I think that's a life-changing thing right there. Um, yeah, I think it's all about kind of the mindset going into tracking. Like even having a coach really helps with that because if you're tracking, yeah, it could create disordered eating if you are being very like meticulous and like getting scared of the calories going up as you're tracking things. But obviously, like, it's all about building that awareness and building that healthier mindset towards food. Exactly. And when we find ourselves in this vicious cycle of good or bad foods, um, if we're eating foods that are bad, it's going to then further that relationship with food or bad relationship with food. And that negative self-talk leads us down a really, really unproductive and unhealthy path. And when you constantly are doing that to yourself, it's really, really hard physically, mentally, and emotionally on yourself so if you can start to not label foods as good or bad, it's just food. It's just there. It's, do I like that? Cool. Good. If you don't like a food, then you can label it as bad. I think pickles are the worst thing in the world. That doesn't mean they're unhealthy. I just think they're disgusting. You can't disagree with me on that. You cannot convince me any otherwise pickles are the worst food in the world. Um, I don't know how you can eat them. But those are the only things I'm going to label as bad. Or if you have a food intolerance or allergy, then cool. Label that stuff bad because it, it gives you an issue um, a GI issue, whatever, but nothing is off limits. Nothing can be off limits. And when you start to, to realize that when you start to live your life that way, things really start to change for you in a really positive way. All right. And the second one is fuck diet culture and the rules they place around food. Yes. Fuck diet culture. Fuck rules. We're here for anarchy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but again, nothing is off limits here. Um, diet culture is going to tell you protein's bad for you and protein makes you fat. Carbs make you fat. Fat makes you fat. Insert diet is the best because insert bullshit claim. Insert bullshit MLM supplement is the best because insert bullshit claim. What the fuck is actually right? And this is, again, kind of exactly why we started this podcast to be the one-stop shop for anything fitness, nutrition, mindset, and to help you sort through all of that bullshit um, because there is so much out there. If you can read any article 
you can Google anything and find something that's going to support one claim or the other. But what's actually fucking right? We, we just need to go back to the basics. Calories in versus calories out. Stop making it way more complicated than it has to be. We all want this super crazy, like, if it's not hard, it doesn't work. If I'm not struggling to do it, it doesn't work. If I'm not doing these things, if I don't have to struggle to lose fat, it's not going to work. And that is a form of self-sabotage. That is self-sabotage right there. That is a bad relationship with food. That's a bad relationship with yourself because truly losing weight should be as easy as brushing your teeth. It's something that is very habitual. It's something that's monotonous. It's boring. It's something that you just do every single day. It doesn't have to have fucking keto or any of these other fancy things. It doesn't have to have supplements attached to it. It doesn't have to have exclusion. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you can't have this or you can't have that. Fuck diet culture. Fuck the rules. Fuck all of this stuff because, again, it's just furthering that bad relationship with food. And it's crazy because, again, I'll say it one more time. Tracking macros really, really helps create food freedom. And it only takes a week, one to three weeks is generally what I see for people to kind of adjust to tracking, get used to it. And then it really doesn't add any more time to your day. But the value that adds to your life is unparalleled because you will truly be able to enjoy the, your favorite foods. Again, I love cookies. So even when I'm dieting, I will eat chocolate chip cookies because chocolate chip cookies are fantastic. And side note, for anyone who loves cookies, if you ever go into a bakery, the way to test out if a bakery is good or not is to get a chocolate chip cookie. If they cannot make a good chocolate chip cookie, I do not trust any of their other cookies. That is science. That is a fact. That is what we're here for. This is the end of the episode. Bye. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> But I can eat that chocolate chip cookie. I cannot feel bad about it. I can know that I'm still going to hit my goals. Maybe I have to work something else around it, but I can still do it. And I was going to say also with diet culture, your diet doesn't have have to have like a specific label on it. Like um, going with a specific company like Optiva, Weight Watchers, like your diet is what you make of it and it's what feels comfortable and what works best for you. And I feel like that's what we kind of get stuck with is having to like label a healthy diet a certain way something like that and also like with those diet plans like it's kind of meant or intended for you to fail again so that you have to go back and do it again to lose the weight so. yeah i mean that's what you see with keto is like oh, i lost 30 pounds in in two weeks like all right cool brian good job now let's look four months down the road and you've gained 60 pounds back and you have a really really bad relationship with food but you're gonna try keto again because it worked last time no that doesn't count if you have to constantly chase that weight, it didn't work. All right. And the third point is inclusion, not exclusion. I love this one. I think this is a great point. Um, this kind of, again, goes back to number one. Um, but if you think I have to take cookies out, bad. That's not okay. That's not what we want to think. We want to think more include things into your diet, not exclude things from your diet. And I think this is a good kind of first step even before you start tracking and if tracking is something that kind of intimidates you is don't even worry about that eat the exact same way you do just instead start say hey let's add more veggies into my diet let's add more protein into my diet let's add more water into my diet let's add more sleep let's add more stress relieving activities into my day let's do these things let's add things into our life and not take things away and that is going to create long-term sustainability which we know is key for long-term weight loss and successful weight loss, which again is not constantly chasing that 30 pounds, Brian. But no, in all honesty, um, I think this is a super, super important point because if you can start to think that way, like 
we're adding, we're thinking in terms of addition, not subtraction. We don't want to feel like we have to take things away. We're getting rid of things in our life. We want to think about adding positive habits. Adding positive habits is huge. And then you can start to take one positive habit, literally say, I'm going to add more veggies into my diet. Do that for two weeks. Once you constantly do that for two weeks, add another thing. Hey, I'm going to add in more protein into my diet. Cool. Do that for two weeks. Hey, you know what? I'm going to start tracking my calories. Cool. Do that for two weeks. Hey, you know what? I'm going to start going to the gym. Cool. Do that two more weeks. Now, all of a sudden, six months down the road, you have all the habits of the healthy person, the fit person that you want to be. And it's only a matter of time until you you physically are that person because you are your habits. So if you start to take up the habits of the person that you want to become, it just if you want to make a million dollars, but you have habits of someone that makes $10,000 a year, well, that's not going to get you to a million dollars. You have to start to take the habits, even if you're not at first, because if your goal is a million dollars, you're not going to just automatically make a million dollars, but you have to start living your life. You have to start taking the habits of someone that is making a million dollars, and then eventually you will make a million dollars. It's going to take time. It's going to take hard work, just like with fat loss. If you want six-pack abs or you want to be fit or whatever that means for you, you have to start taking the habits of the person that has what you want, that is what you want, and you will eventually reach that goal. Yeah, and with adding more of those positive habits, I think whether it's intentional or really like it might be intentional but or not, but pretty much when you start adding more of those positive habits, the negative habits start to like dwindle away, whether you know it or not. Sometimes you, one, like you just don't have time for the other habits that were kind of holding you back or it just kind of, they just take the place of each other. So I think that's really cool. No, I mean, I think that's true. Like when you start to do all the things, again, when you're looking to make a million dollars a year and you're only at $10,000 a year and you start to take the habits of the person that, that makes a million dollars a year, well, you're going to take out some of those bad habits just even subconsciously because they're not helping you towards your goal anymore. You start to do all these positive habits that are helping you make a million dollars a year. Well, you don't A, have time and you don't have the desire to do these bad habits that are actively taking you further away from that million dollar year goal. It's the same thing with fat loss. All right. And the fourth one is a lot of people emotionally eat because they use it as a replacement or some sort of filler for their feelings or emotions. Yes. This is, I think, a super, super underrated point. Um, so many of us, I, I mean, I used to do this too. Um, I, I think we all have at some point emotionally ate and we do this because we're not giving our emotions the space to be what they are. If you're sad, be sad. If you're depressed, be depressed. If you're angry, be angry. Don't turn to food for that stuff. We have to figure out how to work through our emotions. We have to figure out how to deal with these things because they're not going to go away. Again, just like with willpower, we're human. We have emotions. As much as you might say, oh, I don't have emotions. I don't I don't feel this or whatever. Bullshit, you do. You just might not deal with it. That's different than not having them. Dealing with emotions is very, very important for long-term mental health, physical health, emotional health. They're all very, very important. So I, some of my favorite things to actually give yourself the space to deal with some of these emotions, work through these things is to journal. I love it. Um, I journal every single day, whether it's literally writing statements and repeating those statements, um, like I won't be outworked or whatever it is for you, whatever your goal is, writing things, uh, mantras, affirmations. Um, I like to do what I call brain dumping is literally just everything that's in my head, I will put on paper. And then it's out of my head. I gave it space. I gave it time. I can reread it. I can think about it. I can take the emotion out of it. I can be objective with these things now. And I can say, okay, cool. I, I made a huge deal about this and I wrote it down and it really doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. Um, 
we only have um, so many fucks to give about things during the day. And if you start to give a fuck about everything, you give a fuck about nothing. And you do give a fuck about some stuff. So you can't say, well, I don't care about anything because that's not true either. We all have stuff that we give a fuck about, whether you want to admit it or not. We just have to decide what things are worth giving a fuck about. Because again, if you give a fuck about everything, if you let every single thing bother you, then you really care about nothing because you, you can't give to everything. But if you pick a few really important things that you can actually give a fuck about, well, you can actually deal with those things. You can actually give a fuck about those things. You can actually make a difference with those things. You'll actually have a purpose in life. Exactly. So pick the things. Be very careful with the things you actually choose to give a fuck about and stop wasting your time with things that really don't matter. And one of my favorite things is like in five years, is this going to matter? And if you know me, I've probably asked you this question before. In five years, is this thing that you're dealing with right now actually going to matter? 99% of the time, it's no. You won't even remember that this ever even happened. So stop giving it so much of the, your mental space. Stop letting it take up so much of your time, your emotion, and pick the things that are going to matter. You. And another thing I like to do is meditation. This is definitely something I'm working on. Um, I'm not a great meditator yet, um, but something I, I'm giving time to. Um, but kind of along with that is just being alone with your thoughts, literally sitting there for five minutes with nothing else going on around you just to be alone with your thoughts. I think this is huge. Um, now, I am a little ADD, so I don't like to just sit. I like to go on a walk with no music, nothing, and just literally be with my thoughts. Just walk and be outside, hopefully getting sunlight, but we live in Michigan, so eight times out of 10, that's not happening. Um, it's raining and depressed, but other than that, it's, it's really nice to just be outside, be with your thoughts and not listening to music, a podcast, except for this one because it's the best, um, or doing any of these other things. You're literally just there with the thoughts that are in your head. You're able to take the time to work through them um, or sit there for five minutes in the morning while you drink your coffee, journal, or sit there and be alone with your thoughts. Just deal with shit, think about stuff, and then move on. You're giving yourself space to deal with your emotions and you're not turning to food to suppress those emotions. And if we can do that, I think emotional eating is a huge issue in our society and something that we turn to a lot, especially with these hyper palatable foods. I think they're, they're very easy to, well, I don't want to deal with this other shit so I can use this and it makes me feel something. We have to give ourselves the ability, the time to deal with shit. This is another good point to say therapy is really fucking cool. If you've never gone, we could all use it. So just go deal with it. Deal with your shit. Deal with your past. Deal with your present. Deal with your future. Deal with shit. It's okay. Therapy's cool. Go fucking do it right now after this. Go find a therapist. We all need it. <laughs> all right. Number five, allow yourself permission to actually enjoy your food. Yes. You don't have to eat boring food to lose weight. You don't have to eat food you don't like. You don't have to eat like a fucking dog. That's a saying that I've heard from people is like, oh, I, I eat like a dog. Like, it doesn't matter what the fuck I'm eating. Like, if you think about how a dog eats, you literally just put their dry ass, disgusting food there and they eat it like crazy. They... And they're just excited every day for it. Yes, it's the exact same boring food <laughs> every day. Funny. And they are so fucking excited for it every single day. And that's how some people view that they have to, to do to actually lose weight. And that's just not true. Like you can eat the things you enjoy. You can have fun with it. Um, again, food is part of our culture. Food is part of everything that we do. 
you have to be able to enjoy it. It makes life so much more enjoyable. Like if you can go out to a really nice restaurant with your significant other or a friend or whatever, and you can enjoy the food, not feel bad about it, like that shit's life-changing. But you have to allow yourself the ability to actually enjoy the food, to actually like what you're doing. You have to enjoy food, but it all comes down to the ability to say, that's not good or bad. This is just food. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Yeah, those are some good words. Honestly, I don't think I have anything else to say with that. I think that's a wrap. Perfect. So if this resonates with you, if this is something that um, you're like, oh, shit, that's me. We've all been there. It's okay. Um, like I said, we, me and Maddie both have gone through stuff like this. 65% of women, 25 to 45, have all gone through something like this. And again, I'd say that number is way higher. Um, join the Fat Loss Forever Facebook group. Um, we talk about this kind of stuff in there a lot. Um, the link is going to be in the show notes. Just click on it. I'll accept you into the group. Um, I actually just did a live training on this. Um, we do live trainings twice a week going over stuff like self-sabotage, um, going over um, improving your relationship with food, uh, anything fitness, nutrition, mindset. We do live training in there twice a week. Um, we have a community of people that are all going through the exact same stuff as you. So hop in that group and let's improve our relationship with food let's improve our relationship with exercise with ourself and let's reach our goals thank you for joining us on another episode of the unfuck your health podcast as always we want to thank you guys for listening to the unfuck your health podcast where we go into everything training nutrition mindset and help you unfuck your health we would really appreciate it if you guys share this on your story we would love to see who is listening and say thank you and if you guys leave us a five-star rating and review, that would be amazing. If you guys ever have any questions, um, feel free to send us a message, DM us. We have our social media linked in the show notes. So if you have any questions or any topics you'd like us to cover, please feel free to message us. We're always here to help you guys out.